everyone, welcome to episode 22 of Seeking Witchcraft. This is Ashley as always, and today I have a super special guest who is going to talk all about tarot because I suck at tarot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, feel free. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Jack. I am a Gardnerian witch in New Jersey because I'm pretty sure that all of Ashley's friends are Gardnerians. Um, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Even the ones who aren't witches are gardenarians. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> they just don't know it yet. <laughs> uh, I've been involved in some form of paganism or another for about the past six years. Uh, I've been a gardenarian for the past three years or so. Uh, and I've been reading tarot much, much longer than that. I've been reading tarot for a little over a decade. Uh, so yeah, I, wow. I run a tarot blog. Uh, occasionally I talk about witchcraft stuff on my tarot blog. It's sort of, you know. Um, whatever's on my mind. And yeah, I'm here to talk about Tara today. We're going to have fun. Awesome. Well, thank you first of all so much for coming on. <laughs> As I I'm mentioned, so I am not great at tarot. And honestly, it's my own fault. Jack and I were kind of like talking about this. So I am really big into Oracle cards, specifically just this one deck that I have. And I bonded so well with this deck that it's like, oh, you know, I have a tarot deck and I like my tarot deck, but it's like, ah, uh, it's, you know, I'm going to take some time and energy. Like I can just do my Oracle deck real quick. And sometimes that makes me feel like a bad witch <laughs> <laughs> for not wanting to read my tarot deck, but Jack gave me some really good uplifting advice about that. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's, it's really easy to feel. And I think a lot of people, when they come into witchcraft, feel like they're supposed to read tarot. Like tarot is this big, witchy, mysterious thing that all the best witches are doing. And, well, I mean, first off, what even, what does it mean to be the best witch? That's a stupid turn of phrase. Um, but, you know, it's <laughs> that, that tarot is this super witchy thing. And if you're not reading tarot, then you're doing witchcraft wrong. And that's stupid right? Tarot is a means to an end. Tarot is a tool that we use for certain purposes for divination. And if you accomplish those goals, if you fulfill that purpose with some other kind of tool, then you don't need to borrow, bother with tarot, right? The point is to do a thing that gets the results for you. And for some people, like for me, tarot works great. But if you have an oracle deck that you like a lot better, that feels comfortable and easy, and it just clicks with you, or if you like to you know, read runes or scry or read tea leaves, any of that, right? Any form of divination. Uh, if you want to practice divination, if you're getting results, if you're getting the answers you're looking for, that's what matters. And it's so easy to get caught up in this narrative of I'm not a real witch unless I can read tarot. And that's the wrong way to go about it, right? It, it really, really doesn't matter if you're reading tarot. Tarot is just one option among many. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's hard when people are like, oh, like, you know, you practice witchcraft, like, can you read my tarot cards? And I'll have to be like, uh, <laughs> I can read your oracle cards and you know a lot of times for people if they don't know too much about you know witchcraft or wicca or whatever in general uh, or just being a witch they're kind of like oh another divination thing type whatever seeing the future that's totally fine um, but yeah so it was very nice to <laughs> just hear from another outside perspective of like you don't have to be a tarot reader or the best tarot reader in order to still be a witch you can absolutely be a witch without having that skill because tarot takes a really long time to learn too i mean you said you've been practicing tarot for how many years uh like 11 or 12 something wow. like that yeah. yeah um no so so 
tarot is intimidating, right? Um, because you pick it up, there are a million and one books out there and you don't know which ones are good. Uh, I can tell you which ones are good. There, there are three <laughs> books that I always recommend to beginner tarot readers. Um, the first one is called 21 Ways to Read a Tarot Card. It's by Mary Kay Greer. The second one is called 78 Degrees of Wisdom. It's by Rachel Pollock. I've heard these of that are, one. These are probably the two most widely published tarot books um, on the market. Uh, they're both really, really fantastic. Uh, and then there's a third one that I also like to recommend, which is called Tarot 101 by Kim Huggins. That's H-U-G-G-E-N-S. And as you might be able to infer from the title of the book, it's a really just friendly, introductory, sort of here's what tarot is and here's how you start to feel it out. Right? Um, but, you know, tarot is huge. A lot of oracle decks, you'll have somewhere between 40 and 50 cards, sometimes fewer. And they all have really specific names. They have specific meanings. It's sort of easy to turn up a card and the card says, you know, accomplishment. And you're like, okay, I understand what that card means when I asked a question about how my job interview is going to go. But a tarot deck, there are 78 cards. And on top of that, some, of, some readers, not everyone, but some readers will allow some cards to show up upside down and read those cards differently when they're upside down. So 78 cards times upright and upside down meanings gives us, let's see if I can do this math in my head, 156 <laughs> different cards that you have to work with. And you know, some, of the, some of them have pretty clear meanings, but others really don't. And if you're asking, you know, how's my job interview tomorrow going to go, and you pull up the four of swords in reverse, what the hell is that supposed to mean, right? It's, it's a lot scarier, it's a lot more intimidating because it feels so much more opaque. Yeah, and, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, there are ways around that. One of the big ones is, is to just sort of take a deep breath, especially if you're, if you're just starting out with tarot. Do readings and be okay with getting it wrong, right? Take a deep breath, look at the cards, say what you think they mean, write it down somewhere so you can come back afterwards and, and check your notes and be okay with knowing that for the first several readings you do, there's a good chance you're going to miss the mark, right? It's a skill like any other and you have to go through this period of sort of fumbling and figuring out how to do it before you get good at it. And that's just true of any skill. It's true with tarot, it's true with archery, right? And it's, <laughs> it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be new to things and not be 100% at it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so you mentioned about uh, upside down cards. Mm -hmm. So if somebody buys a tarot deck for the first time, it, say they've never actually read tarot before, do you think that people should purposely try to shuffle their cards uh, so that they have the reversed cards mixed in? Yeah, so um, I'm of two minds about this. Really, I think it's what you feel comfortable with. If you want to start out with just the upright cards because you feel like 78 is intimidating enough, go for it. <laughs> if you want that full range of expression, um, then you might want to start by, by reading the cards both upright and upside down. And generally speaking, when you start out reading tarot, um, there are two things that you want to be doing simultaneously. Right? You want to be learning sort of the quote-unquote official meanings of all of the cards. So you're going to have a book, um, even if you don't buy a separate tarot book, uh, just about every tarot deck has a tiny little white booklet that comes with it. Um, that has just like a one sentence, 
explanation of this card means this when it's upright, this card means this when it's inverted. Those aren't the most robust, but you want to start to learn like, you know, okay, when I see the two of pentacles, that's talking about budgeting and the need for balance and material resources, right? And you want to start to, to stockpile those official meanings then simultaneously, right, you're building a personal relationship with your tarot deck. You're learning how to do it intuitively in a way that makes sense to you. So you're also looking at specific images that you see, where, you know, you look at the death card in your deck and maybe there's a butterfly in the background. And you think about, you know, butterflies are symbols of transformation. How does that connect in with what I'm seeing in this card? Are there other cards in my deck that also have butterflies on them? Is there a connection that I can see sort of thematically between certain cards? Are there images that I see in this card that might not be a universal symbol, but might have a, a personal meaning to me, right? Where like I see, uh, if I look at the Hierophant card and I see that the Hierophant is wearing clothes that happen to be the same colors as like the school colors of the college I went to. That might be really deeply meaningful to me and so you're building up sort of a personal set of, of interpretations and meanings and symbols right alongside the official ones. So that when you look at a card, you're not just saying, okay, what does the book say this says? You're also saying, you know, what does this mean to me? And that's a really important thing to be able to do both. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say my opinion with Tara, I mean, I have absolutely used tarot. I have a couple decks. Um, I don't use as often as I would like to, but I've always had with my own opinion that I I'll try to shuffle my decks and just however the cards end up laying down on the table. If they end up being backwards, great. If not, whatever. And I've always kind of been in the mindset of if a card comes up and it's reversed, I'm trying to learn my tarot deck and my tarot deck in that moment wants me to know whatever this reverse card is saying. So I've always tried to learn both the reverse and just the up, like the right side up meetings because I feel like that's wonderful. Yeah. What, whatever message is trying to say is that way and I don't want to be like oh no I don't <laughs> like that it's upside down let me flip it over. Yeah no when I when I started out reading tarot I was a real stickler I used reversals on everything I thought that people who didn't use reversals were doing it wrong and then I've mellowed a little bit as time has passed. <laughs> I have I have gotten down off my high horse. <laughs> And realize that there are other people who are also very good who do things differently than I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, right, I, I tend to be of the mind that, um, you know, if you see a card upright, that energy, whatever the energy of the card is, is sort of in its fullest. It's, it's flourishing. Um, so, right, you take... I don't know, the Eight of Wands in Tarot is a card that has to do with sort of a lot of energy and things are moving really fast and it's very dynamic and there's growth and expansion and movement and this sort of thing, right? Um, and if, you, if I see the Eight of Wands upright, you know, I'm, I'm going to take that to really mean what that card says it means, right? I'm going to take it all at face value. And if it comes up upside down, especially if I wasn't deliberately shuffling so that some of my cards would turn up upside down, right? If I'm trying to have all upright cards and I mess something up and I get a reverse card anyway, that's a freaking sign, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a thing to interpret. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, there's a, there's a really fantastic, I'm just going to, I'm just going to spend the whole episode recommending books to people. Oh, um, please, <laughs> please do. <laughs> there's, there's a really fantastic author. Her name is Benabel Wen. Um, and her book is called Holistic Tarot. 
and she talks a little bit about reversals. Um, and she has four main ways that being upside down can change the meaning of a card, right? It can weaken it. So if we take our example of the Eight of Wands, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of excitement, but if we see the Eight of Wands upside down, maybe it's a little bit less movement, right? Maybe it's, you know, things are still moving, things are still changing, things are in progress, but it's not as big and exciting and dynamic as it would be if the card were up, upright, right? Um, a reversal can also completely reverse the meaning of the card. So the Eight of Wands reversed can be, instead of motion and change and dynamism, it can be stagnation and stillness, um, and nothing is going anywhere. It can, the third meaning is um, a reversal can take the normal meaning of a card and make it negative, right? So things are moving and changing, but that's a bad thing, right? We don't want this change. This is unwelcome motion. Things are moving in a bad direction, moving too fast. And then the fourth one that she introduces, um, which I also really, really love, is that sometimes um, a reversal can indicate a blockage or a delay. So you see the eight of wands in reverse, and that says, you know, things, things are going to change. There's going to be movement, and, and things are going to have a lot of this sort of energy coming, but there's something standing in the way. There's something you need to get through or get past. There's some kind of blockage that's keeping this at bay, and it's not going to come here yet until you resolve that. And so, you know, reading with reversals can be hard. Um, it can be really intimidating. But if you're willing to sort of put in that extra work, it does give you a lot of extra information that can be super, super useful if you're doing a reading. So generally, I recommend it, but ultimately, right, you're in charge of your own readings, um, and, and it's really, really important, right? Don't ever let anyone tell you you're doing divination wrong. Right? Trust, <laughs> yeah. trust your gut. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. That's actually really interesting about the reversal of the cards potentially being a block. I, I had never heard of that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I really love it. And there's also, Mary Greer has a million tarot books and she has one that's specifically dedicated to tarot reversals. So there's a whole book. Um, this, is, this is a little bit of a more advanced thing, right? Don't, don't make this your first ever tarot book. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a whole book just about what to do uh, with reversed cards. Um, cool. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fertile avenue. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, mm -hmm. If somebody, say somebody's doing a reading, I don't know, I guess it doesn't really, an example's not really relevant, but if somebody does a reading and they don't really think that it fits whatever question that they have, so they might do mm. another, you know, another pull, but that one might not really fit. Do you think that doing multiple pulls can become redundant or muddle the message or if you yeah. really don't understand it, like, should you just be like, oh, well, it's saying this, I guess. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'll just go with that. <laughs> it's, um, so, so a thing that happens with tarot, um, and I think with divination more broadly, if you do a whole bunch of readings in quick succession for the same question and nothing has changed, you're going to start getting nonsense answers, right? So, you know, you do a reading about what's coming in my love life and either you don't understand the cards, right? You ask a question about your love life and you're getting like the six of pentacles and the wheel of fortune. And you're like, this looks like it's talking about work. I don't get why we're dealing with, why is this coming up for my love life? You know, or a thing that also happens, let's be honest, 
is you do a reading and you don't like the answer you get. Right? Yep. So you're doing a reading, what's coming up in my love life? It's the two of cups inverted and the tower. And oh, you're like, well, <laughs> well, that's not something I want in my life. So you sort of shuffle the cards and pretend it didn't happen and you draw again. <laughs> I, I might have done that before. <laughs> we've all made this mistake. It's, it's human, right? Um, it's not a good idea because <laughs> you know if you if you draw the cards enough times sure you will eventually get something that it tells you what you want to hear but by that point the cards are just spitting out contradictory answers anyway and it's right it's not meaningful um if you do a reading and you don't like the result um wait until something changes before you try to do a reading about that question again and similarly if you do a reading and you genuinely don't understand like you really do want to interpret these cards but you're just sitting there scratching your head you've got no idea what they mean write it down write down what the question was what the spread is that you used what the cards are that you drew give it your best guess and then wait and see and come back to it after the fact once you have more information see how close your guess was and then you know once circumstances have changed in a significant way there's no harm in doing another reading. But wait until something has changed. Don't just keep doing readings for the same question. That's some pretty solid advice. So kind of related to this, actually, mm -hmm. would you recommend, so say somebody wants to do one card a day, um, you know, just every day in their life. Yep. And um, would you recommend somebody does more intensive pulls every day, like a Celtic cross? Or do you think that should be reserved for, after a period of time, you do that reading again, or you do that type of spread again? Yeah. Um, what I generally recommend is pull a number of cards that's appropriate to how big your question is. So if you're just, if you're doing a reading every single day to get in the habit and you don't have a particular question, if you're just asking what's on the docket for today, one card is probably fine. If you're doing a big reading about like this life altering decision and you don't know, you know, which job you should take because one of them is in San Francisco and the other one is in New Orleans, then you probably want more cards. You want more information because it's a complicated subject. Uh, for a lot of questions, three cards is fine, especially if you do like a past, present, future. That's usually a lot of the basic information that people want. Um, but if you're doing daily readings and you have the stamina for it, if you're able to think of a specific question that you want to ask every single day, yeah, by all means, practice, right? Practice with more complicated spreads, but don't feel like you have to do a big giant 10 card Celtic cross every time because that's exhausting. Yes. Um, and it's, it's totally okay to ask smaller questions, pull you know, between one and three cards and interpret things on the smaller scale, especially if you're just doing it for practice. Okay. So if somebody wants to get into the habit of learning tarot, mm -hmm. do you have any advice for how they should pick it up? I mean, do you think somebody should do maybe one card a day or focus on learning the different suits or the numbers or what would you recommend for somebody just brand new? Yeah, good. So I have, I have two things that I tend to recommend when people are just starting out in tarot. And the first one is a do as I say, not as I do, because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, it's okay if you're imperfect with it, but it, it's a really helpful practice and it's something I was a lot better at when I was first starting out. Um, try to keep a tarot journal. 
Uh, yes. Which I know, I know, I listened to your episode about Book of Shadows and we talked, or you talked rather, um, about, <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay to be a little inconsistent sometimes, it's okay to fall out, but it's so, so helpful to have a record of everything you do. And if you're keeping a tarot journal, you can think about, um, right, dedicate one page to every single card in the deck. And, and for each page, think about, you know, what is the title of this card? Um, what suit does it belong to? What numerological associations does it have, right? So if you're thinking about the Seven of Cups, you're gonna think about the, the general sort of numerology of the number seven and how does that relate to this card? You might write down some keywords that you have either taken out of a book or taken out of your personal understanding of that card. Um, images and symbols that jump out on that card that seem really important to you. Just write down all about every single card. My first ever tarot journal, I also, I'm a terrible artist, so none of these were good, but I did a full <laughs> page drawing of what I thought each card should look like in my perfect tarot deck. Oh, wow, that's cool. Um, and once again, I, like, we're talking stick figures. Like, it was, it was, <laughs> it was not artistic. Oh, um, gosh. But just in terms of, like, me visualizing, okay, this is what I think this card means, and if I were to put that on paper, here's how I would express that meaning, right? Not necessarily in super traditional ways. So like my drawing of the chariot was someone driving a sports car, right? But just <laughs> like, just trying to make that personal connection between what this card means and how I would express that in symbolism. Um, and then you can also write a little bit about, you know, the suits and the elements and there's all kinds of complicated correspondences that you can get into as you get more advanced but it's just a place to write down all of your thoughts and all of your experiences with tarot. Write down, keep a record of your readings, right? Uh, this is the question I asked, this is the spread I used, these are the cards that came up, this is what I said. Um, because that's what you can go back to and refer to later, and that's how you get better, is by learning from what you've done in the past. Yeah, I think a tarot journal is a really cool idea. I also think it'd be cool if you do a journal where you have every single page as one of the cards, uh, if you leave a little bit of room, it'd be an interesting idea to maybe put like notes of dates of when you pulled that card in various spreads and maybe like a quick couple words or so or a sentence of what your question was when you pulled that card. So perhaps you can go back one day and be like, oh, I pulled, I don't know, let's say I pulled the tower. <laughs> I thought my <laughs> life was going great. And then maybe a week later, something awful, well, hopefully not, but something awful happens. And then you can be like, I feel like something bad happened and you go back to your tarot journal and you say, oh, I pulled the tower in this day. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic idea, right? It's, it's a place for, for you to keep track of your own journey with tarot. Um, yeah. and, and whatever that ends up looking like, right? There are, there are a billion different ways that you could do that. You could write about little snippets of, you know, stories and fairy tales and mythology that seem relevant to readings you've done or thoughts you have about the cards, right? I, I in one of my tarot journals at some point in the past, um, I wrote down a fictional character that I thought was like the energy of every single tarot card. Ooh. So like Molly Weasley is the empress. <laughs> No, 100%. Like, what do I think of when I think of the Empress? I think of Molly Weasley in her kitchen with the magical washing pots and the clock that tells her where all the things are. Like, that's the Empress to me. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, so this sort of, this is the 
connecting into the second piece of advice that I have for people who are starting out with tarot. Um, this is a thing that I've done since day one. Do readings for questions that you already know the answer to. This is a great way to practice with any kind of divination. Um, so the ones that I like to do is I like to do readings for fairy tale characters. So this girl named Cinderella has come to you. She's asked you for a reading. She wants to know whether or not she should go to this party that she's been invited to and her stepmother doesn't want her to go. Do a reading for that because that's one where you already know what the story looks like. You already know what the outcome is. So it's easier to practice making a connection between the cards and what they're saying because you already know what they're saying. You just have to figure out how they're saying it. Yeah. So then that actually can go into um, something else. So if somebody has a tarot deck and their tarot deck is just giving them some wild answers that like don't really make sense for the situation, uh, perhaps they might not have bonded with their deck. So would you recommend anything that somebody could do to try to have their deck know them a little bit better or vice versa? Or would you say like, listen, after a while, if it's just not working, gift it to somebody else or yeah, I mean, yeah. eat it out the window. <laughs> what would you What would you advise? It depends on how much you spent on the deck. Oh, um, that's true. <laughs> you no, know, it's for one thing, right? Find a deck um, that you like. I know this sounds like really asinine advice, but there are hundreds, literally hundreds, of tarot decks available on the market, and they have all kinds of different art styles. So you have very traditional ones right? Um, you have, there are sort of three main schools of tarot. There's the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is probably the most famous tarot deck. When people think of tarot, that's what they think of. Uh, there's the Tahoe de Marseille, which is um, a French deck that doesn't have illustrated minor arcana. Uh, and then there's Alistair Crowley's Toth deck. I don't actually know if I pronounced that right. Um, that's how my high priestess pronounces it, and I trust her, but I've never actually heard an expert on Crowley pronounce Toth out loud, so I might be pronouncing it right, um, but it's T-H-O-T-H, Thoth. Um, but, you know, aside from those three, there is a stick figure tarot. There's an art deco tarot. There are tarot decks with themes, so there are cat decks and fairy decks and Celtic decks. Um, find a deck that you like. Find a deck that has art that you enjoy. Find a deck that has imagery that you feel like you connect to personally. And yeah, if you're still not feeling it, um, you can do, I think this is a thing that you, Ashley, actually mentioned in your first tarot episode. You can do a deck interview. Um, so yes. you, can, you yes. can sit down with the cards and say, you know, tarot deck of mine, tell me about yourself. You know, what is your greatest strength? What is your greatest weakness? Uh, what are the ways that I can work with you effectively? And you know, if you do all that and it's still just not working, it's okay to, you know, put the tarot deck on a shelf for a while, walk away from it for a month, and then come back to it with fresh eyes and see if something has changed, right? And ultimately, maybe you will end up being someone who works better either with a different deck or with a system that's not tarot, right? Maybe you're someone who just, tarot doesn't work for you, and instead you prefer reading tea leaves, and that's okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, I'm not a big tarot user. I have them, I use them occasionally, but I'll be the first to admit that it's not my forte, which is why I have wonderful people like Jack come on and explain tarot because I can't explain it as eloquently <laughs> as he can. <laughs> you are far too kind. <laughs> uh, so you had mentioned that there's three different types of tarot. I know you've been doing a lot of work recently with 
the, oh my gosh, the thought, not the thought deck. (laughs) (laughs) Not the thought deck, no. Not the thought deck. Oh God, no. So I learned the word thought when I was working at the Bronx Zoo. And an an idiosyncrasy of the Bronx accent is that instead of thought, they say dot. And I was so confused. (laughs) Took me like a year to understand what was going on. Oh my goodness. That is really funny. (laughs) So it's for somebody first starting out of the three that you mentioned, is there anyone that you'd recommend or could you give like a super brief example, like what the difference is between them? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll give my, like, three-minute history of tarot. Okay, um, there we go. So, so tarot cards emerged in the late 15th century in northern Italy as a trick-taking card game played by Italian nobles. Uh, so if you've ever played bridge or hearts or card games like that, tarot was originally just a card game like that, and it had a specialized deck. It had four suits uh, with 14 cards each, and then it had an extra fifth suit with trump cards that could be used to sort of outplay and outmaneuver people um, in, the, in the course of playing the game. And gradually tarot spread sort of north and west across Europe. Uh, and by the 19th century, it was being used uh, for fortune telling and occultism more broadly. Um, so it was used by a couple of um, very big name occult authors, Etela, um, Papis, um, Eliphas Levy, all had sort of connections to tarot. And, and they packed in all kinds of Kabbalah and astrology and all sorts of stuff got mixed in with tarot. And then in the late 19th century, tarot got picked up by a secret society in England called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And they worked tarot into their magical system. Uh, and it was, it was really central. They, they combined everything that they did, put it into the tarot deck. Uh, And then a short while after, uh, a man named Aleister Crowley uh, was sort of an offshoot of the Golden Dawn, started his own system called Ordo Templi Templi Orientis, uh, the OTO. They're still around. You can see them in certain occult communities. And he also made some changes to tarot. So we have three sort of levels of tarot. We have tarot as it emerges in the Mediterranean um, as basically just a card game. And this is the style of deck that you'll get um, that's called the Tahoe de Malse style deck. These are decks that have um, beautifully illustrated major arcana, the trump cards, but the minor arcana, the four suits, are just um, unillustrated, sort of they have uh, whatever the suit is. So if you have like the nine of coins, that card will literally just be nine coins on a card. It's not going to have a picture. It's not going to have anything like that. Um, and then when we get to the Golden Dawn system of tarot, um, there was an initiate of the Golden Dawn named Arthur Edward Waite, who broke off from the Golden Dawn. Well, he didn't, he didn't leave them, but he published a tarot deck for public consumption, mostly based on Golden Dawn principles, although he changed a few things. The artist for that deck uh, was a fantastic woman named Pamela Coleman Smith. Yes. Uh, who was incredible. And so the deck is called the Writer Waite Smith deck. Um, yes. Writer was the name of the publisher. Waite was Arthur Edward Waite. And then you have Pamela Coleman Smith. And this is the sort of the standard tarot deck. This is the one everyone thinks of when they think of tarot. And this is probably the best starting point. 
Uh, it has really accessible imagery. It's pretty universal. So any tarot book you buy, um, whatever descriptions it has of the cards are going to fit really well with a Rider Waite deck. They might not fit as well with a Tarot de Marseille deck. Um, and it's generally just a very workable system. So if you're, if you're trying to pick between one of the big three, you can start out with TDM, or with the Rider Waite Smith, excuse me. Um, and our, our last tarot deck is designed by Alistair Crowley. Uh, it was illustrated by Lady Frida Harris, so another fantastic woman involved in occultism and tarot, uh, whose name has largely been forgotten, and that's a shame. Um, and the Toth deck is really interesting and thought-provoking, and there's a lot of cool imagery going on, but it's really hard to read because um, it's super esoteric. It's got a lot of astrological and numerolo numerological and Kabbalistic this and that and the third. Um, and it's really, really esoteric. And so it can be really intimidating and difficult for brand new readers. So of those three, the one that I would most recommend is the right away. But once again, if you really love like mermaids, there's a mermaid tarot. Go ahead and try the mermaid tarot and see if that helps you connect to it. If that helps you sort of access the imagery. Because that's the most important thing, is whether you're able to read with it personally. Absolutely. I and My first tarot deck I bought was this tarot deck called um, Mystic Mondays. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to buy it. It was this beautiful black deck with like silver holographic foil lining and these beautiful pictures. And I finally got it after I like pre-ordered it. And when I, I got it, uh, I didn't realize that the images were going to be abstract on the cards, and I didn't necessarily realize how important it was to know what the actual images were. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so I tried to use it, and it, it had different things. It said, like, the princess of cups, or like, whatever, for example, mm -hmm. uh, which was not the most standard language. So I remember going on Google, like, on Biddy Tarot, I want to say, and, like, typing in <laughs> princess of cups, and wasn't yeah. really getting much and I had a friend tell me like hey you know that's not like the actual suits in the tarot right and I was like well not the suits but like the actual terms that's usually used and I was like huh I did not know that because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have a tarot deck before so I promptly went and, and bought the Rider Waite Smith deck and I really like that card, that deck. It vibes with me. I vibe with it. I should probably pick it up a little bit more. Jack may have given me some motivation to use it a little bit now after this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will so, convert we'll you. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. I'm just... But once again, for the, for the listening public, it's totally okay that you're not super into tarot. Um, because really, like at the end of the day, divination is about what works for you. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, that better. that's the most important thing for us to emphasize. Uh-huh, exactly. So we're just about coming up on time. Uh, is there any parting words that you want to say about tarot? Oh, gosh. Um, tarot, <laughs> tarot is great. And tarot is really easy and really hard at the same time. You know, when I was like 15 and reading tarot, I was convinced that I'd figured it all out. And, you know, I was... I was done, you know, I can wash my hand of this, I don't need to read any more books ever because I know everything there is to know about tarot. And I was just straight up wrong, guys. Like, you know, <laughs> 15 year olds always think they know everything, but, um, but, you know, I knew a lot. I was a decent tarot reader, but I've learned so much since then and I'm still learning so much. Even people who have been reading tarot literally longer than I've been alive, um, I talk to them and they still say that they're, they're learning new things and trying new things. 
So, you know, don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to start. Um, you will learn more as you go along. That's just the nature of the beast. But trust yourself. Trust your intuition. And the best way to get involved with tarot or with any divination is just to do it. There you go. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so in an unrelated but related question, I realize I've been asking whenever I guess on the show, I usually end up asking this question as like a final question. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you this question. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if somebody is just starting out in the witch world, the Wiccan world, witchcraft world, whatever, what advice could you give them? So they could be a, a potential seeker. They could be somebody who has never picked up a book before, but they're mm -hmm. interested. What would you tell them if they want to get involved? Do the thing. What, whatever that means, right? Whether that means um, casting your first spell or trying to do a ritual or going to a local meetup. Um, witchcraft is a practice. It's a thing that you do. And it can be really, really scary when you're starting out because you're terrified that you're going to do something wrong or you're going to upset someone or, you know, God forbid, you're going to accidentally open a portal and summon a demon. You are not. I promise you. I promise you. No matter what, you are not going to accidentally summon a demon. Listen, that was only one time, and <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm um, totally kidding. <laughs> no, but it's you know it's easy to feel paralyzed by oh I don't know enough, um, and to never end up actually starting anything and doing anything. If you're starting out on witchcraft, the best way to start once again is just to do it. Get your feet in the pool um, and do the thing. Yeah, I should probably do the thing with tarot. <laughs> it gets a little overwhelming, but but you know you're completely right. I, I completely back up everything you just said. It you just need to do it. Okay, well cool. that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I well, I was just saying cool, oh. um, <laughs> but yeah, I I will also briefly plug. I have a blog and social media. Should anyone be interested in finding me? Yes. Uh, so my social media, I really only have Twitter. I don't know why I'm talking about it in more general terms. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Jack underscore of underscore wands. Wands, W-A-N-D-S, as in the suit of the tarot. Um, I couldn't get the handle without the underscores, so here we are. Uh, and then I also run a tarot blog I publish about once a month, um, but I've been running the blog for five years and I used to be much more prolific. So I have posts going back for ages. Uh, and that is jackofwandstarot, all one word, dot wordpress.com. So if you're interested in tarot, um, that's geared at a little bit of a more advanced audience, but by all means, swing by and check me out. Yep, and if you have any tarot questions, Jack is awesome on Twitter. <laughs> So if, you, so if you do check out his blog and there's something you do have a question about, I would just say you should, you know, send him a DM, hit him up on Twitter. And, you know, he is really, really smart. So <laughs> he can explain things very eloquently when it comes to tarot or just honestly, occultism in general. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on, Ashley. This has been so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you to everyone who's listening. As always, you can find me on social media at um, my Facebook page, Instagram, or Twitter. And it's all Seeking Witchcraft, except for Twitter. It's just at Seek Witchcraft, because apparently Seeking is too long for Twitter. So <laughs> as always, you guys can find me on there. Thank you so much for listening. And I will speak with you all very soon. Stay safe out there, guys. Bye. <laughs>